It's kind of interesting to me that if you ask any survey, look at any survey about prayer, and you ask Americans if they pray, almost all Americans will say, yeah, at some point in my life, yeah, I pray. I pray on a regular basis. And I think about what that, what that is and what that means. I think about who are they praying to, really? Are they praying out of a religious uh, obligation? Are they praying out of desperation? Are they praying because life's out of control? Or are they just looking to some higher power that may be out there somewhere? Who knows? You know, I, you watch the news and, and they never report on what God's doing on the news, do they? Like, hey, God's doing a miracle down here on 2nd Street, right? They never do that, right? They never acknowledge that God's at work doing anything, right? But when tragedy happens, what do these newscasters say, right? Our prayers go out to those who are affected by this tragedy. They say it all the time. Prayer. It's something we talk about. It's something we know about. But is it something that we really do and we really understand? Do we know what to say? Even if we're praying to God, do we know what I'm even supposed to say or do about this? I'm really excited about this series that we're starting today on Pray for a Change. And today, in this first message, we're talking about a change of perspective. Because when, when Jesus calls, says, this is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It was a total change of perspective for everyone. So we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together as a refresher course, Okay. So those of you, it's, and you don't have to have it memorized, okay? It's going to be up here on the screen. Uh, we're using the version that comes out of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Say this with me. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I hope that today that we have a change of perspective on what prayer is. See, prayer is not, it's not magical. And most of the time, it's not really mystical. And prayer is not meant for us to have our own way. Or that our will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever prayed that? God, I'd like my will to be done this time, okay? Right? Have we ever done that? Anyone ever done that? Okay, I need this. I need it done this way, right? What prayer really is, it's, it's first of all, it's a time of worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. That's what that means. God, make your name holy among the people. When Jesus said this, when Jesus introduced God as our Father, this was a huge radical shift from the way people thought about God. Even the people of God, the Israelites, the the Jewish people, they had this concept of God that he was this big, powerful, scary God somewhere out there. And it was a radical shift. The Old Testament God, 
different names, but his name was Yahweh, or you may have heard it pronounced Jehovah. It was this, this name that people wouldn't even say the name. It was so holy. It was so out there. And it's interesting because if you start back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, you see God's relationship with the people he created. You can read the story of Adam and Eve and he created them. And what was his relationship like with them? He walked with them and he talked to them and he had this very intimate relationship. And this was the relationship that God had with the people he created. This is the kind of relationship that he desired to have. And that's what he did. But what happened then? Sin entered the world. Adam and Eve decided they're going to go their own way. And all mankind following them said, I'm going my own way. I'm not going the way of God. And there was a separation between God and his people. And the only response God could have Get this, the only response, this holy, almighty God who wanted to have this intimate relationship with his people was to separate himself and become judge and ruler and the righteous one. And that's how he's revealed through the Old Testament, this, this God who's unapproachable. He cannot be approached. You know, you, you think about how uh, at one time he, he revealed himself as a pillar of fire. Now, if I saw a pillar of fire, it wouldn't be the first thing I would approach, right? You know, you're like, whoa, right? You'd step back, you'd step away. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, he went up alone. He was the only guy that went up there, right? And the people were all down below, and they're looking up, and they see fire and lightning and smoke for 40 days, and they're probably thinking, God has just barbecued Moses, He is dead. Let's move on with our lives. Okay? They had no idea. This God was just this way up there. This this concept of that the high priest could only go into the holy of holies. And the reason why there was this public opinion of God, of this big judge, was because of his holiness. He had to separate himself from sinful man. But here's the cool part. God had this ultimate plan. His ultimate plan was to send his son, Jesus. His plan was this. He would send his son, Jesus, and Jesus would take upon himself all the sins of the world from beginning with Adam all the way till the end of all eternity. He would take upon himself on the cross all the sin of the world. And by doing that, he would restore this intimate relationship with man. It's very cool. Jesus was very missional when he talked about God as being our father. So when you approach him, say our father. This was a total radical shift. In fact, you can, you can go in the book of John chapter 10 and Jesus was being accused of being blasphemous for even saying that God was our father. They're saying, you're saying God's your father? Well, that would mean you're his son. And whoa, that would make you equal with God. And ah, they were ready to kill him because he addressed God as father. Jesus was bringing a new picture of God, but it was the same God that has always been. But he was saying, here's a new picture of God. 
because he sent me to do this, here's the new picture of God. Picture of God as a father sitting with his son on his lap, talking to his son, encouraging his son, giving him wisdom, telling him stories, tucking him into bed. That's the picture of God. It was a picture of a father who teaches his son and and takes his son and teaches him a trade as an apprentice. And then after growing up, says, son, I want you to partner with me in my business. I want you to help me be at work with me and alongside of me. Let's work together. This is the picture that Jesus is trying to build of God in people's minds. So what kind of father is God? You know, and would we pray more if we really knew who he was? Would having a different perspective of who God is change the way our prayer life is? And that depends upon what your definition of a father is. And so there's a second radical change. Maybe the cultural change isn't what you need. Maybe it is. But this radical shift of change in what you think a father is. You know, every single one of our fathers is imperfect. Every one. You know, I was thinking the spectrum of fathers. There's, there's a gr- grand spectrum of fathers. And, and uh, I was thinking of some, some um, movie characters, TV characters that would, that would help us here. So on, on this spectrum of the father from over here is Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers movies. Okay, yeah, you know who Dr. Evil is and he's got the little guy mini-me that looks just like him, only he's smaller, mm, right? If you, if you watch Austin Powers and you see actually his interaction with his son Scott, right? It's this very bad interaction. They just, there's just no love going on there, okay? He's just, because he's Dr. Evil, I guess. He wouldn't probably be a good father, who would you like your father to be, Dr. Evil? No, uh, probably not. On the other spectrum, end of the spectrum is probably Ward Cleaver, right? Or leave it to Beaver, right? Shirt's always pressed, tie's always straight. He's always got something good to tell the Beaver, right? Just, oh, Beaver, you know, he's got words of wisdom. He's nice. He's, he loves his wife. He loves his kids. Oh, he's this perfect, perfect father, as perfect as a, as a human father could be. And no matter where on the spectrum, somewhere between Dr. Evil and Ward Cleaver or somewhere in between, whatever your relationship with your earthly father is or whatever your relationship is not, you have to remember this. Your earthly father is imperfect. I love my dad and he was a great dad, but he was imperfect. Our heavenly father is a perfect father Everything he does is perfect. And we have to resist the temptation of taking our, our father's, earthly father's head and putting it on the shoulders of God and going, oh, that's who God is? That's the father? No, I don't want that. No, we've got to remember, keep God's head on his shoulders. <laughs> Say, this is the perfect father. And this is the father we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at four qualities of God today. So here's the deal. The heartbeat of God is for you to know that he is a caring father. That he cares for you. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 5. 
verse 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. That's a total shift. Because some of you, for your earthly fathers, didn't care about you at all. No, shift. Change in perspective. This is a God. Peter says this. Peter, the follower of Jesus, who towards the end of his life wrote this down, he says, I guarantee you this is what you need to know because I have been there. I have done that. Give all your worries, all of them, and your cares to God, for he cares about you. And I know that God, as a personal uh, thing, I know that God has cared for me. He cares for me every day. I can't imagine a day going by and I can't look at the things that God has done for me to show that he cares about me. The food I eat, the house I, I live in, the car I drive, I'm like, God, he cares about me. I remember back when I was a, a teen, uh, teenager and my sister had for years, she had, she had a really bad ear infection and she went deaf in one of her ears and it caused her to have learning disabilities and, and all kinds of things and it really just threw her life uh, a curve for a curve. And she always just prayed that, that God would heal her ear. And one time a group of believers got together and they just prayed for her and prayed that her ear would be open. And instantly her ear was open and she could hear. Wow, that's kind of cool. Like that's like biblical kind of stuff, you know? Like Jesus would do this. And that really impacted me as a teenager going, he cares about my sister that much that he would do that. That is very cool. My wife reminds me that God also cares about little things. And she tells the story of, of how when she was young, she had warts on her hands and on her face. And uh, it was very embarrassing to her. She went to doctor after doctor, tried cure after cure. Nothing worked. And they were part of just this little Wesleyan church. Her family had just started attending this little Wesleyan church in, in Minneapolis. And they said, do you want us to pray for you? Well, okay, whatever, you know. And they laid hands on her and they prayed for her. And amazingly, a couple days later, she woke up and they were gone. No signs of them at all. And you think, wow, God cared about that little thing. And although I know that God cares about me, there have been times in my life where I felt that he didn't care at all. Some of you may be there even now. You're going, the way my life is going, I don't think God cares. He obviously doesn't care about me. He doesn't even care for me. He doesn't care. Some of you may, may be experiencing that today. About when my wife and I first got married and we, we were talking about life and what we expected in life, there was something that was in both of our hearts. And I feel like God put it in our hearts that one day that we would adopt a child and it would come from some strange situation. It would just come from out of nowhere. And we just felt that. And it was weird that both of us heard that in our own hearts. And we talked about it for years and we prayed about it and we prayed for it to happen. And about six years ago, uh, one of my relatives, she was a young adult, early 20s. She got pregnant. She wasn't married. And she was like, I, this is too much. I don't think I can... 
I can handle having a baby in my life. And she was willing to give up her baby. I'm like, this is the answer to prayer. This is it. We thought, this is it. God, ah, oh, he's, he's answered our prayer. And as time went on and, and, and she agreed that we would be great parents and that, that it would be awesome if we would adopt her child and she had this little girl and then she decided, I think I'm going to keep her for myself. Right? And, oh, you know, that, that in itself was like, oh, kind of like, you know, you have this expectation of, of this answered prayer and it didn't get answered. But, I mean, we had to shift gears and we had to think about it and say, well, at least, you know, we're happy for her. You know, she has this baby in her life and we just, we just pray for the best for her. And then about nine months later, we get this phone call. And the mom had, had been in a state of depression that nobody else noticed, but she was totally depressed. And she took, the baby was crying, and she took a bunch of pills, and, and, and she ended up smothering the baby. And they were both in the hospital, and the mother was able to live, but the baby died two days later. And when stuff like that happens to you, you say, God, don't you care? Seriously, don't you care? Don't you care about me, about that baby, about our hopes and our dreams? And Don't you care? And some of you may be in that place in your life right now where you're like, things are not going the way you want it to. And you're asking, God, do you not care? And I always go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I'm like, what good could come out of this, God? What good? What good? I always have to remember. I have to go back and go, okay. But when my sister was healed, I said God cared. And my wife was healed, I said God cared. And when I've seen all these other great things happen, I said, look, this is evidence that God cares. But when bad things happen, I go, oh, he doesn't care about this. No, I know he cares. And his caring He not only cared about our dreams, he also cared for us through that tragedy and cared for our hearts and kept us following after him. I have to look at everything and go, God cares and he works everything to good. And many, I can tell you this, many, many good things have happened in the lives of people who who are far from God, who who got closer to God through this whole situation. It was nothing like I wanted it to happen. But it was God who's like, I care. And I've cared for you all this time and I will care for you into the future and I care for you right now. Because Peter, remember what Peter says. He says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. Here's Here's a second thing we're gonna talk about. 
That God, the heartbeat of God is for you to know that he does not change. He does not change. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. How would your prayer life change? How would your prayer life change if you knew that God didn't change? That the same God you served yesterday is the same God you serve today. I think about as, as a dad, like my mood can change pretty fast, right? I can be happy one minute and then when my children are disobedient, right? And they won't get in the car and they won't do what I'm telling them to do, right? I get angry and I'm like, ah, no, get in the car. We're late for church. That never happens to you guys, does it? I'm sure it doesn't. I think about how quickly I change. And I'm like, ugh. I'm so glad that my heavenly father, he does not change like shifting shadows. He doesn't change. He is the same. He is the same. The third thing that is the heartbeat of God is this. The heartbeat of God is that you know that he is intimate, that he is near. Look at this in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. From one man, he made every nation of men. He's talking about from Adam, he made every nation of men so that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. That is such a cool scripture. It says that from Adam, he made all men, right? He made all men on the earth, that they should live throughout the earth. And he appointed the time and place where they live. That is so cool that... God has appointed the time and the place that you should live. Think about that. You live right here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, if you would have asked me five years ago, would you live in Salt Lake City, Utah? I would say, what? (laughs) Did you say Honolulu, Hawaii? No, Salt Lake City, Utah. I've never been to Utah. I don't want to go to Utah. Is there anything in Utah? Right? I'm just saying. But God appointed this time and place for me to live here, for you to live here. But he has a reason for that. You're in the place where you are right now, even in this place this morning. And God's hope for you is in verse 27. What does this say? Verse 27 says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Look at that. He, God's hope for you is that you, right where you are, would say, okay, God, I know you're not far from me. I will reach out to you. This intimate, unchanging caring God. Back about five years ago, 
I, I just felt this, that God was moving in my heart in some way, shape, or fashion. And, and a lot of times when that happens, I just like, I have to kind of put on the brakes of my life and just take time to pray and to fast and to go without food. And, and this was one of those times. And I, had, I knew this because in previous years, about three years before that, I had just, I felt the same thing, this real urging that God wanted to communicate something to me. And I'm, I wasn't probably listening as closely as possible. So I, I started this time of prayer and fasting three years before that time. And, and God did some pretty amazing things. And he shared with me a vision of starting a ministry and, and hundreds and hundreds of people were coming uh, who were who far from God. They were coming close to God. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is exactly what God planted in my heart. And so fast forward three years and I'm like, I feel this urgency again to say to God, yes, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I, I don't know what you're going to ask me, but I'll do whatever you ask me to do. So I took this time of prayer and fasting and, and God was stirring in my heart that it was time to move on. And I was not expecting that at all. I was just expecting to stay. He says, no, I'm moving. I got something for you. And, and he said, I want you to get involved in church planting. And I'm like, that was exciting. And I had no idea what that meant. And I didn't know what that, so I'm like, okay, whatever you said. I said, I'd do whatever. So yes, okay, I'll do it. And I had no idea what was going to happen after that. But I felt this closeness to God like I'd, like I'd never felt before, like he was speaking directly to me. And I'm like, oh, this great intimate God. But soon after, this encounter with God that I felt I had this, I lost my job and I had no idea where I was going. And for a year, I worked a job I had never done before, learned a whole new trade. And for that whole year, I thought I was going to go to church planting. Yeah, tomorrow, pack the van, let's go. For a whole year, God put it on hold. And for a whole year, God was silent. And I didn't hear anything from him. I kept reading my Bible. I kept praying every day. I kept asking him, okay, I said, yes, now provide me the place where you want us to go. And the place was not provided. It was a year of frustration. I'm like, God, it says in Acts, right? That you, it, it says that you are near. You are, so, okay, I want to hear you again and, and nothing. And maybe some of you are at that place in your life and you're like, I'm praying, I'm believing. I know God's going to provide and then I lost my job. <laughs> I'm praying and I'm believing that this is going to happen and all these relationships are falling apart. I'm praying, I'm believing God wants me to do this and uh, frustration, silence. Where is this coming from? But the cool thing was that after that year, God did provide us a place to go. And we went to Denver, Colorado. And I, I can just remember being there, thinking back to being in Denver. How after a year of silence, and when we finally said yes and we went, that God drew me closer to him and was more intimate with me than ever before I said yes to him. Why? I don't know why God was silent for that year. I don't know why God is silent for you at times. But he was always there. 
It's not like he just left me alone. He was preparing something in advance for me to do. God wants you to know that you can be intimate with him. You can talk to him like a father talks to his son. He is the perfect father. The last thing we're going to talk about today, the last aspect of God, is that his heartbeat is for you to know that he is capable, that he is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. Let's look at this verse in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now glory be to God by His mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. I can dare to ask and hope for a lot of things, even some pretty big things. And I can imagine some pretty big things. But it says, by his power, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we can hope for or we can ask for. Unlimited power. Now, I have a little five-year-old girl. Her name is Mia. And the cool thing about a five-year-old is this. She thinks I can fix anything. If a toy breaks, she brings it to me. Dad, can you fix this? And I can fix it. She's watched me fix our car. She's watched me fix things at church. And she looks at me and she goes, he can fix anything. My dad can fix anything. That's so cool. I feel the infinite power in her mind. But one day she's going to realize that dad can't fix everything because I can't fix everything. There's so many things I can't fix myself. And I know that. But we have a father. We have this great father. He can fix anything. He is willing to do more than we can ever ask or imagine. If you're a follower of Jesus today, think about how your life was before you came to follow Jesus. And think about your life now. Is it infinitely more than you could ask or imagine? I would believe that you would say yes. You were far from God, but now you are near to God. This infinite, powerful, capable God. Back five years ago, again, when I said yes to God, I had no idea that Salt Lake was on his radar for me. I had no idea that I would be able to, to start a, a, a church in Denver, Colorado that's still going today. And I just got off the phone with the youth pastor and they want to come to Salt Lake and bring a youth missions trip to Salt Lake this summer. And I'm like, that's so cool. I had no idea that all that was in the works, right? I had this great grand vision of what God wanted. And I can tell you, it's been more than I could have ever asked for or imagined to be here. It's amazing what God wants to do right here in K2, right here in Salt Lake Valley, right here through all of us. It's amazing. I'm so excited to be a part of it. But it was not on my radar, but it was on God's the whole time. And I can't wait because wait to see what he wants to do 
next. He will do more in your life than you can ask or imagine if you just open yourself to him and say, God, I am yours. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being my Father. The very mission of Jesus Christ was that you and I could be restored not to a God of justice and power, but to a God who is our perfect Father. In John chapter 1, the disciple John writes this and he's introducing Jesus and who he is and he's introducing why Jesus came into the world. And in John chapter 1, verse 10, it says this of Jesus. It says, He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Did you, do you get that? He created us, and then he came to save us and restore us to the Father, and nobody received him. I said, ah, we don't want this. This isn't the person we were looking for. This isn't the God we were looking for. Sorry. They did not recognize him. And they did not receive him. But in verse 12, this is so powerful. It says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born out of a natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Do you get that? born of God. The purpose that Jesus came was said, if you, Jesus says, if you receive me into your life, if you receive me, it's just like you re- would receive a guest coming to your home. Come on, open the door. Come on in. Receive. If you receive me and you believe that I am God's son, I'll give you the right to become a child of God. And he This father that I'm telling you about, he'll be your father. He won't just be my father. He'll be your father. I want to restore this relationship to you. And before we continue this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and your concept of God is is this, he's way out there or he's just like your dad, you want to say, no, I I want this real heavenly, perfect father. You can invite him in today. But here's the key. It's an invitation through Jesus, receiving Jesus as you would receive a friend into your home and believing that what he says is really true. He says, then he gives you the right to become a child of God. So would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for changing our perspective of who you are. And God, there, there might be folks that are just sitting here today but they do not have that relationship with a caring, intimate, loving Father. And all they have to do today is just say, I receive Jesus. I believe in his name. Thank you for making me a child of God.
That's all you have to do. Just do that in your heart today. And he will make a difference. Thank you, Jesus, for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, under your seats, if you want to just grab this, everyone does it at the same time. That way it's really fun. Everybody puts their head down. Okay. Under your seats, there's this little, this little thing. That t- it's a take-home. What I want for all of us today is this. Andy and I were, were putting this message together, and we looked through the book of John. And in the book of John, it's, it's all about Jesus restoring this relationship to the Father. And what's really cool is there's something in every chapter about God the Father, about who He really is. And if you need to change your perspective... I would suggest that go into the book of John and start reading them. And we put the references next to them. But as we're preparing our hearts for worship, here's what I'd like you to do this morning. I'm going to read through these. And if these are things that you really don't believe that God is, I pray that God will change your perspective today on who he is. So I'm just going to read them. I just ask you to meditate on them today as we worship. The Father... Our Father is accepting. Our Father is holy. Our Father is generous. Our Father is adored. Our Father is to be imitated. Our Father is a provider. Our Father is a teacher. Our Father is a protector. Our Father is at work on our behalf. Our Father is powerful, and our Father listens. Our Father is honorable. Our Father rescues us. Our Father is near. Our Father is nurturing. Our Father is approachable. Our Father is full of glory. Our Father cares for us. Our Father is in control. Our Father is our God. And our Father calls us to His glory.